Smashing Security, Episode 46, Good Beard, Bad Beard, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Smashing Security, number 46 for the 5th of October 2017. My name is Graham Cluley, and I'm joined as always by my good chum and co-host, Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol, how are you? I'm good, and I just realised we've done way more episodes than I am old, so that's really cool. You're revealing your age? No, no, I'm not revealing my age, actually. Okay, just a lot more. I'm saying I'm under 46. You're claiming to be under 46. (laughs) I'm not claiming, I'm stating. (laughs) (laughs) And we are joined this week by a special guest, Rich Baldry. Hello, Rich, all the way from Vancouver. Hello, Graham. Hello, Carol. It's wonderful to be here. (laughs) It's very early in the morning for you, isn't it, Rich? It's fairly early, yes. It's it's still still cool outside and and, um, I'm still wearing my slippers. (laughs) <laughs> I think everyone... Oh, Carol, Carol why yes. didn't we have a sponsor slot before we began the show today? What's going on? Well, rather than having a sponsor this week, we thought we should try and make an appeal to the people rather than have a sponsor slot. So it was International Podcast Day very recently. Was it Friday, I think? Yeah, over the, yeah. Over the weekend or something. Yes, that's right. Exactly. And so what we're trying to do is ask all of you to introduce Smashing Security to at least one new person. Now, we know lots of people don't know how podcasts work. So that is the mandate. Can you teach them how podcasts work and maybe even subscribe them to the show? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe just wrestle their phone off them. Find exactly. out their PIN code or crack their password and <laughs> subscribe them to the show. Yeah, because for us to produce this takes a lot of effort. And the more listeners we have, the easier that is. Oh, we do yeah. love producing the show, though, don't we? But wouldn't I'm... it be fun if we had even more people listening? Yep, absolutely. We're not doing badly in Zimbabwe, you know. <laughs> We're not doing badly, period. Just, <laughs> I think more would be better. It would be smashing. So, I guess this episode of the Smashing Security podcast is sponsored by our good friends. Smashing Security! Fantastic! <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, as you know, every week we like to look back on the week's news and the things which have caught our eye and comment on. And I have seen a story which tickled my, um, well, maybe tickles quite a good word to use, actually. Because, um, you know, Carol, I mean, we're talking here about Smashing Security. You know, since Vanya Schweitzer, if you remember him, since he left Smashing Security, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of debate online as to which of our team has the best facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> Is it me? Is it you? Because previously it was clearly Vanya, right? Yes. Now, sorry. So you're including me in this. Well, you're you, including me in this. You, are. you think my baby face skin, <laughs> my perfect skin, is comparable to your stubbly little? Well, I'm quite honoured that you call me stubbly because I mean I, I've always struggled to grow facial hair. I did once grow a moustache for Movember. Sorry, what? A moustache. What did <laughs> okay. I say? Moustache. I don't know. I thought it was some English. <laughs> What's wrong with moustache? 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 I don't know. Anyway, one of those things, those carry caterpillars. But I, I ended up looking like an Egyptian taxi driver, quite frankly. Well, it wasn't that convincing. And, I think uh, everybody does. Everybody does for November, isn't it? That's what most people shoot for. Yeah, well, you Rich. have a fi- you have a fine chin of hair, as I remember, Rich, don't you? Yes, I I do. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I, not quite uh, not quite as fine as some, but, uh, but but certainly it keeps me warm. It's, uh, <laughs> In well, the wild north of Canada. I'm pretty impressed by it. But you're right, it's impressive, but not as impressive, I would argue, as a chap who lives in France, or was living in France, called Gal Valerius, who has been arrested in the United States by the DEA 
in connection with the dark web website Dream Market, which is basically it's like the eBay of drugs. If you want to buy Dream all market. sorts of, yeah, yeah, you, you make a note. <laughs> Just writing cool? a note, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, this chap was arrested at Atlanta International Airport because he was travelling from France to Austin, Texas, okay. to take part in a competition. Okay. Not because of his beard. Well, yes. The competition <laughs> he was going to was the World Beard Championships. Oh. Marvellous, eh? Yeah. Yes, that's right. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to the World Beard Championships, because once I started going down that particular rabbit, Warren, it was hard to get out. There's lots of different categories, you know. <laughs> oh, were you jealous? I was. Were I mean, you jealous of all the hirsute men? Oh, it's very impressive. There's the English. Sounds uh-huh. fairly ordinary, you know. <laughs> The Dali, I think we know where that's going. Uh The Hungarian, you imagine saying a little bit Russian. The Musketeer, which isn't so much a beard, is it? It's just sort of a sort of thing on your, well, I suppose it's mini beard. The Imperial, the Alaskan Whaler, the Fu Manchu. Okay, you are so obsessed with beards. I am. It's fantastic. And and if you go into the full beards category, they actually measure them by length. So you can start off at like, you know, one centimetre or whatever, but goes up to 60 centimetres plus. Now, I don't so know. So is that the big, is that the big, you know, the longer, the better? Is that is that what you're saying? Well, no, no. I think, I think they're sort of artistic. It's a bit like ice skating, isn't it? Growing a beard. It's, <laughs> it's slightly less sequins, maybe, and tight trousers. But it's basically about artistic impression. Uh, it's did. about... What, what do you think, Rich, with your beard? What, what, what's your plans with that? <laughs> well, yes, it, it, it does seem like an awful lot of work, what they do, doesn't it? I mean, I, I have my beard for convenience rather than for, uh, for show, <laughs> I have to say. You don't back but home and use hairspray? No, no, I, I have tried beard oil, um, uh-huh. which, which, which is supposed to make it softer, but that doesn't seem to have worked. So oh. I just, I'll just, just keep it. I did notice, though, that there is a section for, for the ladies mm. as well in the, in the <gasps> contest, isn't there? So, Carol, oh, you're not excluded is. from this. Is there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind? Seriously, you should click through on the links, Carol. There, there's, yeah. there are some links to the Austin Facial Hair Club, and if you if you go down, <laughs> I can't I can't remember which one it is in particular, but yes, there is a sort of freestyle uh, women's beard. There's someone who appears to have a couple of branches coming <laughs> out of the side of her head with little people on swings swinging on it. I mean, th- this is art, quite frankly. Yeah. And if someone who was running uh, an underground drug dealing website of all the competition, I think this is a fantastic place for him to go to because potentially there's new customers here. Uh, once you take a look at them. <laughs> so what happened was this. He was stopped by border control and his laptop was searched. And according to the DEA, the contents of the laptop identified him as Oxy Monster. Okay. Not to be, uh, not to be mixed up with Cookie Monster. Um, he had boom, the tall. Boom, Graham, he, he boom, the, boom. Well, you know, cookies. They could, you know, if you had the munchies or something. He had the tall browser on it, which is the thing which keeps you all sort of secret and safe and warm on the dark web and covering your tracks. Um, but he also had the, the login credentials for Dream Market and get this half a million dollars worth of Bitcoin. It's quite nice, isn't it? Nice to yeah. have in your back pocket. He's said to be the secret administrator and mon- uh, moderator of the dark web website Dream Market, which is obviously earning money through commissions on every transaction. And the site listed him as official staff. Investigators had been reading posts which he'd posted about how to stay anonymous on the web. And they'd managed to link the Bitcoin payments to Valerius. And so they think they've got their man. And then he arrives 
on their doorstep, on their runway, with an enormous beard. And they had actually looked at some of the postings he'd made on this dark web website and compared the language to the language he was using on his Twitter account. (laughs) Do you think there was like a Clouseau French detective who was like, look for the man with the beard? Yeah, the beard. (laughs) Uh, Well, he had an Instagram account as well. I should go and check that out because we've probably got some fantastic pictures of his beard up there. Anyway, according to the Miami Herald who wrote all about this, uh-huh. There were similarities in the use of words and punctuation, including the word cheers. It's like, well, come on, well, that's not... Really? Is, yeah. that, is that it? Oh, my goodness. I, I use that. Oh, no. And oh, I, no. And watch I have a beard. <laughs> you oh, my word. Watch okay. out, RB. Do you use double exclamation marks, Rich? Because apparently no. that was the other clue. No, um, no, absolutely. Very vulgar. Frequent use of quotation marks. <laughs> like when you're quoting something. <laughs> And inter- it's brilliant, this, isn't it? It's going to stand yeah. up in court. And intermittent French posts, which perhaps isn't that unusual for a Frenchman. Um, Dear but- bleu. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's obviously, um, he's got some questions to answer. Um, the DEA think they've got their man and potentially he could face up to life in prison for this. So if you've got a fancy beard, maybe, you know, think twice about showing it off in America because they might want to take a look at your laptop. What are you doing keeping sensitive information on your laptop anyway? And Graham, hold on. I think I may have fallen asleep at one point during your segment. What what has he what? done? What, what has Valerius done well, other than have lots of Bitcoin well, well, and uh, the Dream Market login well, credentials? It's, it's alleged that he was high up in this dodgy website, which was making a huge right. amount of money. off drugs. Off drugs. Okay, which, okay. Yep. Uh, breaking news, Carole. You're not supposed to be doing. <laughs> Drugs are bad. Yes. Yeah, gotcha. No, Just no, sorry, say no. I, yeah, gotcha. With you, 100%. <laughs> That's bad. I'm with you. That in itself is, is bad enough if it, if it turns out to be true. But he, I, according to one of the reports I read about this, he, he actually had also been hacking an app that uh, allows beard wearers to, to sort of compare their beards and compete their beards and, and, and gamble and bet how good their beards are. What? 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 An an app called Beard Wars. If you read about this, I think it's the Guardian. um, The Guardian's article about this guy. So Beard Wars. There's an app apparently called Beard Wars, and um, and it allows people to post photos of their beards and have them voted on, and 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 it's like hot or not, but like (laughs) good beard, bad beard. And you're able to gamble on this and take that. Yeah, yeah. So there were a couple a couple of guys who they interviewed were were obviously um, regulars on this site, and they used to win regularly. And then all of a sudden, this new user came along. (laughs) Out of nowhere and started amassing a loads and loads of chips. I love and, it. Um, and, and they tracked these false accounts apparently back to the same guy, back to Valerius. You see, so, he so is that, a bad that's man. Truly dusted. Yeah, yeah. forget the drugs. I mean, think yeah. cheating at Beard Wars is completely yeah. outrageous. Yeah. Rich, what have you got for us today? Well... My topic is, is, is a little less uh, frivolous, but uh, it's um, um, we all know that privacy on the web depends on HTTPS, don't we? We've talked mm-hmm. about mm. that. I know you guys have talked about that quite a lot, the importance of seeing that little padlock on the browser. Um, and the proportion of web traffic is growing a lot, um, growing very quickly. So that's, that's a good thing too. But um, obviously, like all security measures, it can come at a cost of convenience. So browsers warn us uh, if there seems to be a problem with the authenticity of a site, if they can't make a secure connection. 
Yeah, yes, I'm exactly. sure you see these warnings all the time. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but do they always mean there's something bad going on? You know, so or is it a case of the boy who cried wolf? Is it is it a case where we end up getting very blasé about the warnings because too often they're inconvenient? You know, it's a site we really want to go to, so we just click through anyway. And, oh. and so forth. Yeah, what I've seen this week was a, a paper that was published by a group of researchers from Google. So they've been looking into this a lot. They, they've, they've published a few papers over the years about um, how users respond to these warnings. And yeah. basically you know, what they're interested in doing is trying to make people trust the browsers and make people actually take these um, these warnings seriously. But in order to do that, they have to make sure the warnings are genuine. Yeah. What what these researchers are able to do because they had access to to Chrome, um, they they put some um, code code into Chrome so that every time someone uh, was shown a warning, if they had the uh, the feedback option turned on, where they you know the options to help um, the Chrome developers improve the product, uh-huh. and if they had that feedback option turned on, it would send back a bunch of information about the the warning and about the the, the connection and what problems were found, and they've been able to amass a huge amount of data and see for the first time really what's going on and and why these problems are coming up. Okay. So they wrote a bunch of rules that would allow them to analyze these reports, look for specific types of problem. And they found that that over two thirds of the the reports where they were able to automatically classify them into things which weren't really security problems problems either with the with the network or misconfigured servers or misconfigured computers. Yeah. Two thirds? Yeah, yeah. So they were all those were all autom- automatic. So it, it just goes to show that a pretty small amount of this of, of the times that you see these warnings yeah. is there actually really something wrong. <laughs> so, for example, one third of the warnings for Windows users were actually caused by the time and date being wrong on their computer. So uh, <laughs> you know, the certificate that secure HTTPS they have a, a expiry date. So they also have dates where they start being effective. And, right. and so if people's computers are, are, are set up incorrectly, then it will all, all, all of a sudden think that you're using an expired certificate. Okay, that's um, good so to know. So there was that one. Um, and then at, about another third of all the warnings were from um, misconfigured servers. So um, where the certificate doesn't match the name of the website properly. Um, so if Maybe it has a www in the certificate, but people went to the website and it served up gotcha. just without without the www. Or or when the certificate chain, which is um, how the, uh, the you know the certificates are linked back to the, the the ultimate trust authority, the certificate authority, where the certificate chain isn't provided by the website. Mm-hmm. So what did they do? Well, they they took all these different problems. Yep. And then they tried to find ways to actually um, advise the users and give the users something actionable to do to deal with it. So, for example, with the time issue that I met, where they found that all these Windows machines were, were not set to the right time, they, they started off by trying to check um, to see if the time on the computer was radically different to the time that that version of Chrome was released, for example, because mm. sometimes people were years out. <laughs> and, they, and they never really noticed it. But they, that, that wasn't really precise enough. So what they actually then did was they built a whole new um, cloud time service which <laughs> Chrome can talk to. And so when, when, you, when Chrome sees a certificate invalid error um, caused by the date being wrong, yeah. it will actually ping the server and say, the server says, this is the time, does it match? And then they'll tell the user. So there's all sorts of things which they've, which they've done to try and make these uh, warnings much more useful and much more actionable and at the same time to solve the problem. You make a really good point, though, because if you do get anything too often, you start to ignore it. It's just human nature, isn't it? Yeah. And if you get something too confusing as well. I think the typical computer user, when faced with awful barful gloop, awful barful gloop, are just going to press the button which makes the gibberish go away. We all know that makes perfect sense to you, Graham. And there is an awful lot of gibberish in the world of encryption. Yeah. 
And and uh, from the website's point of view as well, it's not always completely simple setting up your HTTPS. I mean, we we set it up for smashing security. We thought, oh crumbs, you know, we can't do a security website without uh, yeah, SSL that was a in pain place. in the butt. And, and we messed it. We messed it up a bit. And uh, thankfully, Scott Helm was around to give us a little bit of advice, and we were able to fix it. But of course, this is becoming more and more important to get your site yeah. uh, having HTTPS because, of course, Google Chrome is. I think it's this month, isn't it? It's going to start making it clearer that sites are insecure if they don't have it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes, they're going to start warning if you're going to a non-HTTPS website. Certainly, if it's a, if it's a non-HTTPS website that you're actually putting information. Yeah. In. And, and I think over time, they're planning to uh, to increase that to just to all HTTP sites. Right, which ultimately is going to panic people into rushing to HTTPS and potentially not implement it right, which means more error messages appearing. So we have to make sure these error messages are easy to understand, easy to action. I mean, it's astonishing yeah. what those figures you gave us, like a third yeah. being related yeah. to the time being wrong, yeah, for instance. Like two-thirds not being, you know, that's a huge yeah. amount. And, and of course, it's worse sometimes being giving people a false sense of security. If you think mm. that you're you're protected by HTTPS, but actually you're not, and sometimes that can be worse really than than knowing right. that you're just going over the ordinary web. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it sounds like some interesting research. So we'll put a link in the show notes so people can read more about that. But yes, it, uh, Google have been doing a, a fair bit in this area, haven't they? And I, I expect yeah. we'll see more from them in the future on this. Carol, over to you. What have you got for us? Oh, I can just say I'm very happy that Rich did something um, with some teeth because mine is a bit more fun. Um, so media campaigns. We have certainly done a few in our time, haven't we, Graham, over the years? And we all know what makes the info security uh, journos drool, right? I'm going to talk about a piece that was in El Reg, and I recommend everyone goes and reads it because just for the comments, it's worth it. So this is all about a company called Pentest Partners. They're a UK-based security consultancy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, you're right. And they've issued some rather sexy research this week. So PTP, as we're going to call them, their main message in all of this research is that a lot of people out there really love the new Bluetooth low energy or BLE. They prefer this over traditional Bluetooth, partly because it's improved battery life and also its ease of use. However, the PTP team says that this new Bluetooth security features are rarely implemented correctly, if at all. And that can lead to some unexpected and perhaps even embarrassing consequences. All right. So where are poorly secured Bluetooth devices a bit of a yucky problem? Well, in the smart, how shall I put this, uh, intimate massage equipment industry. (laughs) I'll call it that way. I'm sorry. Intimate, oh, intimate. intimate massage equipment industry. <laughs> Smart personal distressors is another word we could use for them. Um, these are basically um, adult sex toys. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And now they have looked at a number of different smart toys, including ones from company Lelo and Lovence and Kiru, which produces with a horribly named Fleshlight. Um, and they found that the security vibe was sorely missing in this. So Braxt... Bra- security vibe? <laughs> You're doing this deliberately, aren't you? A little. You can't okay. help it. And every right. journal, every journal has done it as well. You just can't help it. So it's okay. just too much for All right, okay. And they, you know. Um, so, like, basically, let's get down to business, right? So Brass Tacks. <laughs> the question is, the question they're trying to answer here 
is could someone using yes. a Bluetooth discovery app be able to detect whether a device was in use? Oh, okay. And so if I was some sort of stalkery peeping Tom pervert. You're just walking up- around the street with your Bluetooth sniffer, right? <laughs> As you do. And let's say someone was in their apartment having yeah. alone time. It's lunchtime. There's not much on TV. <laughs> Exactly. They'd be able to potentially see. Now, how could they see? Well, one of the reasons is because some of these toys use an identifier for all their smart bedroom entertainment systems. (laughs) Okay. So in this case, Lavence use LVS-Z001. Okay. So all someone would need to do is walk around the streets of a city with a little Bluetooth sniffer and look for that identifier. No. It's a strange way to get your kicks, isn't it? I think there's a really important message here, though. There is an important message in all this. Okay, yes. yes. So what researchers are saying is that messing with the set, the settings, like turning the device on or changing the speeds or mode, wouldn't take much because there is no unique pin, right, for, for each device. And... The other thing with with this Bluetooth is that when it's not connected to, like right now, if it's not connected to a mobile app, it's actually discoverable with a pretty powerful signal strength, right? Oh, I see. So you can just insert commands any time you want. Exactly. Oh, please, Rich. Exactly. <laughs> insert commands. <laughs> Don't it's encourage true. her. But it's true, okay? So... There is something to be said about being always discoverable. Like, why couldn't there be potentially a button that would say, hi, I want to be discoverable now for the next limited time, five minutes, whatever. And, In, and this, From what I've heard, it can be very difficult to find the right button to press or where it is exactly. <laughs> I mean, you'd want it very clearly marked, wouldn't you, to make sure you could find it easily. <laughs> So what are the opportunities for abuse here? I mean, I, so here, okay, so I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a pervert. And so... A pervert? Um, well, You're I, saying no, all users are perverts? No, 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 no. I'm the hacker oh. dude, right? I'm the, <laughs> okay. I'm the pervy stalker peeping Tom guy, right? Or in this case, the researcher. And <laughs> or, or researcher, as they're also known. And yeah. so I, I'm imagining, for instance, maybe I'm working in a hotel lobby and there's a lot of people coming through, bringing their private things right. into the hotel with them, right? Mm-hmm. Now, they're obviously, or at least hopefully, not using them in the actual lobby, Right. That's the sort of thing which normally you'd probably notice. I doubt they'd be that discreet. But if you had some way of sort of discovering them in their luggage, would you be able to sort of turn them on or increase the frequency? Would it would it become would it be a, an amusing prank to play on people? Exactly. This is what they, this is what they're suggesting. They're suggesting right. that right now they're pretty easily discoverable if you know what you're looking for. Right. And the next sort of a, a, a penetration test. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And um, it wouldn't take it wouldn't take a lot for someone to be able to take control of that device and, uh, you know, make Which turn it on. Quite da- could be quite dangerous in a targeted attack. If you had identified someone who was of interest to you. And yeah. you knew they had one of these things. Well, the other thing about this, right, is the signal strength is apparently really strong on these devices. And may, and what they're suggesting, um, this company PTP, is that maybe we can drop it to a lower value so that someone had to be really nearby to connect rather than like 40, 40 meters away. 
And you I mean, you I guess- know what annoys me is I, I keep hearing I'm and you're telling me that all these sex toys have got fantastic connectivity and are really good at Bluetooth. If I want to use my smartphone, I have to walk down to the end of my garden and sort of stand on the trampoline to get a signal. What is wrong with the world? You live in the wrong location. Yeah. Um, the other thing is also making more generic names for these things. So, you know, so that right. p- perhaps tr- printers and adult toys could be, you know, have the same names and you wouldn't know the difference between them. So if you do have a, a connected vibrator, maybe if you could rename it the HP LaserJet or something like well, see, that. I didn't know if you if you can rename Bluetooth signals or Bluetooth names. I've never I've never even tried. Mm. So that's what interesting happens itself. If you, what happens if someone tries to print a PDF while it's, while it's in use? That could, that could be even worse. Um, another thing is, you know, you know the, the whole concept of them having a unique pin is very difficult because obviously there's no UI on these devices. Um, so one of the suggestions may be pin stickers, which aren't cheap, um, but, you know, they could be on and allow for someone to kind of cue in or, you know, type in a, a pin number, a unique pin number right. for the device. Right. So anyway, I think the whole thing is about tweaking Bluetooth for these devices and always keeping security in mind. And whilst this research is very, you know, it's all very fun, you know, this this would be horribly embarrassing for people, I imagine. And so my advice in all this is uh, go old school, right? There are a few things in your life you don't want to be smart, like including plugs and vaginas and shings, I think. <laughs> Did you just say that on a hard podcast? I'm assuming they're all going to be beeped out. Is You're this editing why, this one. Is, is this why we're not having a sponsor this week? <laughs> because we thought they'd complain. <laughs> Talking of which, <laughs> I think it's time to mention... Oh, we've got a fantastic sponsor this week, Crow. No, no, we can't do it twice, man. What? <laughs> Just move on. They heard it. Next. <laughs> okay, forget all that then. Um, <clears throat> so we're on to our favourite part of the show. The part of the show which we call... Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Reg. Oh, pick, a, pick, pick of the week. <laughs> so pick, pick of the, of the week. week is the part of... <laughs> pick of the week is the part of the show where we choose a funny story, a book we've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, an app, something which just has tickled our fancy or something, something that we think is really cool that we wanted to share with you. Not security related. It doesn't have to be security related. Definitely not. It, well, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> so my pick of the week is um, something called the topo. Oh, is it chess related? It's not. No, it's not chess related. <laughs> and it's not topery related either. The topo <laughs> is my standing desk mat. I think and you've talked comes, about this before on the show. No, I haven't talked about it on the show before. Okay. It comes from a company called Ergo Driven. And it's really cool. It's made out of polyurethane. Normally, on a standing desk mat, it's really flat, right? I just think that's a bit boring. Where's the fun in that? It's no, I mean, okay, you're standing on it, but you're not sort of, you know, you're still sort of static, aren't you? You're sort of just standing there. The beauty of the topo is that it's contoured. It has ridges and it has this little teardrop. And so you're sort of exercising. It's a party for your feet, basically. (laughs) Um, And I'm loving it. And you're moving about subconsciously all the time. You're kind of doing, oh, yeah, I'm riding the sides. I'm cupping the teardrop. I'm opening my hips. You know, I'm exploring the contours. And you just think, wow, what a fantastic way to live. And it's got to be better than sitting all the time. So I think the important thing is to move. And the topo (laughs) helps you move. And And that is why I am recommending, as my pick of the week, 
the topo from Ergo Driven. And this is the second time he does it. I'm sure of it. No, if any listener remembers he's done this again, please send me the episode number and I'll send you a t-shirt. <laughs> Does it does it come in in different shapes? I mean, can can you, for example, choose a a particular <laughs> landscape region for your contours? The Cotswolds, so yeah, the Snowdonia, the the, the majestic Australia. Rocky Mountains, <laughs> the Dolomites. Uh, sadly, not as far as I know. No, I think a group of scientists have found the optimum. You better mountain TM range. that, Rich. You better TM it yeah, yeah. before yeah. Topo steal it. Yeah, good point. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's my pick of the week. Rich, what's your pick of the week? Well, my pick of the week um, is a television show that I've been watching. um, Well, I watched a while ago, but it's just about to start its second season. And so um, I think it starts in a couple of weeks. And so it's your opportunity to binge watch it if you haven't seen it before, before the new season starts. And it's Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Have you seen it, Graham? I've never seen the TV <gasps> show. I read the books, along, uh, which are by Douglas Adams, of course, yes. many, many years ago. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is the, I think this is the second or third time that it's been turned into a TV show. And in fact, yeah. um, it doesn't really base itself on the books itself. And, and in fact, some people would say it, it hardly bases itself on the characters either. But, but it, the ideas are all there. And I think... Um, um, you can you can go on and argue about whether it's whether it should have been called Dirk Gently or whether it shouldn't have been called Dirk Gently, but it it, it which, whichever way you look at it, it's a, it's a really good fun um, TV show. It's actually filmed in Vancouver as well, which which makes oh, it extra it? fun extra fun for me. Are you working for the tourist board? <laughs> is it a North American? Is it a North American show? Then so it's not yes, BBC. It is, well, it's BBC. Ah. It's actually BBC Americas that produce it, and it's uh, so it's coming up oh. on BBC Americas. I don't know whether, whether it's actually shown on BBC in the UK. Um, but I watched it on Netflix uh, recently. And, oh. and it's, so I guess it's they must fun. have flown in the British people, Graham, on a plane to Vancouver. <laughs> Are there British people? There is one. Well, Dirk Gently himself is, is a Brit. Yeah, so it's yeah. A goodness. Actor. But uh, it has Elijah Wood, who was um, obviously in Lord of the Rings, and it has a, a bunch yeah. of other fantastic uh, characters. And so the, the stories are, are sort of reminiscent of, of, of Dirk Gently's Solicitor Detective Agency and the, um, the long dark tea time of the soul, which was, <laughs> which was the second one, wasn't yep. it? And he actually ref- refers to them in the, in the first episode as things that happened in his past. So obviously this is supposed to be, uh, <laughs> it's very clever. What happens next? But yeah, it's very clever, very yeah. funny, a little bit, a little bit violent, um, from yeah. time to time. Um, but but there's yeah there's this one particular character who's just absolutely fantastic he, uh, who's a, a holistic assassin who who yes. much like um, Dirk, Dirk who sort of just meanders around and and finds his way through the investigation she just w- wanders around and, and just kills people because she believes she should and uh, but she's just amazing and, and she's actually played by uh, by Fiona Durif who's also has a connection to Lord of the Rings her father was in Lord of the Rings but anyway Rich oh. Rich yes. can I ask you a question yes. so if Doctor Who was on one island. Yeah. And Dirk Gently, Holistic Detective Agency, was another island. I, I can answer this question. I'm not asking you. Yeah, Greg. but I can answer this question. <laughs> quite so you're in the middle. Which way are you going to swim? I think uh, it would have to be Doctor Who. <gasps> Good man. Yeah. Just because there's more. Just because there's, there's, there's more of it. And, and, and Dirk, well, well, the interesting thing is Dirk Gently, the, the character of Dirk Gently, or at least the storyline of the original Dirk Gently, started off as a as a Doctor Who it, episode. It did. Was, yeah, oh, was, I didn't know it was, that. Yes, you yeah. saw it. Yes. Yeah. Well, crap. Douglas Adams was famous for reusing ideas, and there he he wrote a couple. <laughs> you see, he wrote a uh, well. No, he he wrote, he he really struggled with this, and he yeah. wrote a couple, maybe two or three Doctor Who stories, 
and one of them never actually got broadcast. It was only half made. And a lot of the concepts in that particular uh, Doctor Who story were then put into the first Dirk Gently book. So there was a lot of reusing of material. So Doctor Who fans are kind of keen on Dirk Gently a bit because of the uh, Douglas Adams connection who was working on Doctor Who in about 1978, TIL, TIL, there you go. TIL. Today I learned. Jeez. Such a millennial. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So millennial. Yeah. I I can't even say it. I'm that old. (laughs) Okay, Carol, what's your. Thank you. Thank you, Rich. I will check it out. I haven't seen any of that. You've seen some of that, have you, Carol? Oh, I've watched it all. It's great. I thought it was really, really. I I watched it when it came out because my other half is a very big fan, right? Oh, right. So, yeah. Oh, thanks for telling me about it. Oh, I'm sure I did. Mm, Right. Yeah. Sure. So, Carol, (laughs) what's what's your pick of the week? Well, my pick of the week um, is about DerbyCon. It all starts with DerbyCon, which is a computer security conference in Louisville, Kentucky. Now, during the conference, a delegate from Salt Lake City, known as Grifter801 on Twitter, went to a nearby burger joint, right, to have a bit of a spot of food. And from that joint, he sent the following tweet. Now, I've sent you guys the picture of the tweets you can take a look at that and it says uh it says watch out derbycon this is the roach i sucked up the straw of my milkshake from enter name of burger joint here i'm gonna call him trevor you know hash derbycon hash yum and just uh, for any listeners, this is a cockroach we're talking about rather yeah. than some drug reference he's been saying, oh. right? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Okay, yeah, so it's a cockroach. So right. look, you look at the picture, there's a dead cockroach. So this guy apparently sucked up a straw. Gross, mm. gross. <laughs> now, you'd expect loads of disgust Not and that anger. pleasant for Trevor the cockroach either, I would imagine. <laughs> well, no. And you know what? People on Twitter agree with you because oh, really? I expected oh, loads. I expected loads of disgust and anger, but instead, it turned out to be an online memorial for Trevor the cockroach. So people started leaving odd tributes to Trevor outside the burger joint and Trevor the Roach and hashtag Trevor Forget. Get it, Graham? Never forget. Trevor Forget. <laughs> yeah, okay, these were all born on Twitter. Okay, and passerbys left everything from a boxes of tissues to a bottle of Mountain Dew as tributes to the deceased roach. <laughs> why why okay. boxes of tissues? Because <laughs> it's probably what they had in the bag. Oh, I see, right. Yeah, they were just walking by and you know, saw it on Twitter and thought, oh, well, why not? And there's even a tribute movie, which I've put a link in the show notes to. So the question is, is, is Trevor the most famous dead roach in history? And I would have, uh, I, I thought, actually, I'm sure I've heard of a dead roach before. I seem to remember this. And there was one in 2015. Graham, you might remember this. There was oh, a yeah. dead cockroach in the stairwell of a Texas A&M's anthropology building. And he just was basically sitting in the stairwell for about three months or something. And someone finally just said, we need to look after this guy. So they made a little memorial for him. And there's a picture of it there. I sent it to you. So why are you saying I would remember this? Well, because I seem, to, I seem to think we talked about this. Oh, we, really? Yeah. Oh, maybe that's on the same podcast where I recommended the topo. <laughs> that probably Some was, imaginary conversation yeah. we had. No, it was never on the podcast we talked about it. Um, now, sadly, this per- first cockroach was never named, right? Uh-huh. So Trevor's taking getting all the getting all the limelight, and I just think we should name him like Alpha Roach or something. <laughs> now, okay, all this Roach talk. The thing is, is they got a bit smart. The Trevor campaign went a step further, and they're doing something actually quite wonderful. They've created a GoFundMe page for Trevor right. the Roach. 
Right. And let me quote from the page. As you know, the InfoSec community lost a beloved member over the weekend, Trevor the Roach. To make matters worse, his entire family is also caught up in the disaster in Puerto Rico. Funds contributed will go directly to Friends of Puerto Rico, a longstanding and respected nonprofit working to better Puerto Rico. And so far, they've raised over $3,600 to help those who are living in peril thanks to Hurricane Maria. That's awesome. Yeah, so you see, I kind of like it because it's not too earnest, but it's, you know, doing the right thing. And it's kind of unusual. And so there you go. great tribute to Trevor the Cockroach. Right, exactly. And all his family. <laughs> appara- and apparently the restaurant wouldn't contribute to the fund. That's what I read somewhere. I don't know. I didn't uh, double check that, but uh, I hope they do. I hope they do. Ah. I mean, Is that you know, why we're not giving them a... a, a- a name check. Well, I don't want to name them. I, you know, they, they they keep going on Twitter, going, "Please stop talking about." <laughs> so, so I don't that, that I, I don't know anything about this burger joint. I don't know if they're a chain or a one-off jobby. So I thought, you know, if someone really wants to find their name, they will find their name. And if they want to sponsor next week's show, get in yes. touch via get our touch. website. Yes, at www.smashingsecurity.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. And on Facebook group as well, smashingsecurity.com slash Facebook. And maybe you want to buy some swag, get yourself a t-shirt or a sticker or something like that. Who Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to do that? At smashingsecurity.com slash store. Well, it just about wraps it up. Thank you very much, Rich, for joining us today. If people want to learn more about you, where should they follow you online? Is there anywhere they should go? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at rbaldry. Um, if you really want to, I don't tweet about all sorts of strange things, but uh, lots of that sounds fantastic. Well, thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. And if you, uh, as we said at the start of the show, if you know someone else who might like the show, go and tell them about it. Celebrate International World Podcast Day or whatever it was. And you can go to our website to check out past episodes as well and find easy links to subscribe in a variety of apps. And until next time, cheerio, bye bye. Yeah, P.S. He didn't come to me, but if anyone's at the VB conference and wants to say hi, I'll be there. <laughs> what, the VB conference? Yeah, it's in Madrid this year. Oh, the virus bulletin. You're yes. off, are you? You're going to be there. I'll be there during the show. Oh, cool. And it's goes public. Right. Awesome. Have fun. Have a great time. Bye-bye. Yeah. Toodaloo. Pick of the week.